Good morning. How are you doing this morning? Welcome to Yorkfield, and let's praise God with all of our singing and worshiping today. We're getting some wonderful rain out there today, and that's how God feeds his plants, including us. So it's a great blessing to have that rain. Uh, there's a song that we had done a while ago in the past, or more of a pre-service song, actually. And uh, we're going to ask you to sing this song with us today. It's very short. It's very powerful. It's called Humble Thyself. And I'd like to just play a little bit of it for you, if I could. And... Uh, when we come to that part of the service, you'll just jump right in and we'll praise together on that. It goes like this. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. And He shall lift you up higher and higher. And He shall lift you up. And that's all it is coming up in the middle of the service, and please sing, us, sing that song with us. Let's all stand and sing our first song together today, forever. Two, three, four. Ready? Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. For He is good, He is above all things, His love endures forever. Sing praise, sing praise. With a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, His love endures forever. In the type of life that's been reborn, His love endures forever. Sing praise, sing praise, sing praise, sing praise. Yeah, forever God is faithful, forever God is strong, forever God is with us, forever. Forever. From the rising to the setting sun, His love endures forever. And by the grace of God, we will carry on. His love endures forever. Sing praise. Sing praise. Sing praise, sing praise. Yeah, forever God is faithful. Forever God is strong. Forever God is with us. Forever. Yeah, forever God is faithful. Forever God is strong. Forever God is with us Forever Forever Lord, we thank you today for all the blessings that you give us each and every day Especially the blessing of the Savior Thank you, Lord 
For all that you've done, I will thank you. For all that you're going to do. For all that you promised and all that you are is all that has carried me through. Jesus, I thank you. And I thank you, thank you, Lord. Oh, and I thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you for loving and setting me free. Thank you for giving your life just for me. How I thank you. Jesus, I thank you. Gratefully thank you. Thank you. that you've done, I will thank you for all that you're going to do, for all that you promised and all that you are is all that has carried me through. Jesus, I thank you, and I thank you, thank you, Lord, oh, Thank you for loving and setting me free. Thank you for giving your life just for me. How I thank you. Jesus, I thank you. Gratefully thank you. Thank you. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Isn't it a fine spring day today? What a, what a spring we're having here. It's great to have you uh, here. I've been, uh, I just feel really kind of just not kind of connected. I've been, um, I was on confirmation retreat. Before that, I was on a synod thing. And then I spent four days being a grandparent, uh, babysitting grandbabies this last week, uh, both who decided that it was a good time to get the flu. So, um, but uh, t- today's theme, we're going to hear a scripture where uh, Jesus' disciples are arguing back and forth about who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus just kind of gets ticked off at him, so he does a little object lesson, and he has this little child. He says, see that child over there? Bring him over here. And bring, puts him right in the middle of the disciples and says, unless you change and become like one of these little children, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. So the question, of course, there is, change how? Now, I just spent a week with little children barfing on me, and, and you can see scars on my nose, because one of them decided that pulling on my nose was really a fun thing to do. It made them laugh, and I let that go on just a little too long. I'm pretty sure that Jesus doesn't mean that. We'll talk a little bit more about um, I think what he is talking about, something to do with, 
of being able to let go of our need to control the universe and to trust in him and in others. Well, let me share with you some, before we get to that part, some announcements about what's going on in the, in the life of our congregation. Debbie Suits will be so excited to let you know that tomorrow is the newsletter deadline. So uh, you're probably a commission chair out there, something like, ah, oh, you're right, I wanted to write that article. Well, see, now you've got like a whole half a day to get that done. Email that into the church office by tomorrow morning. That'll be great. Love to have that so we can let people know. It's really important that they know what's coming, what's happening. Um, so it's anything that's going on this summer, please uh, write, send that in. Next Saturday, I don't know what the, what's happening, but for some reason, all of life at Yorkfield converges next Saturday. And um, um, first of all, the trustees invite you to come and be a part of spring cleaning. They're going to be doing a bunch of stuff outside with the grounds. Love to have you come and be a part of that. All skill levels are fine. Um, actually, probably all age groups. Got lots of different kinds of jobs. At the same time that that's kind of going on outside, inside, um, the deacons are going to be preparing for spring fling, which is putting together all these plates of cookies and other things and sending them out to, to homebound folks. And uh, you can do that. You can help with that in a couple of ways. Uh, one, bake some cookies this week. Bring them in on, by Friday night and to the kitchen there and they'll have your cookies to put into the, to the collection. Uh, or, and or, you can also be one of the people that delivers those cookies out to, to the homebound and different places around uh, uh, locally and some farther out into DuPage County. I'd uh, love to have you be a part of that as well. And then, after all of that hard work, the Fellowship Commission invites you to come to a wine tasting on Saturday night. So, um, this is your last chance to sign up for that. It says in there we need your money up front, but in fact, you can pay at the door, but we do need to know today if in fact you're coming. That would be really helpful. So I'll let you know about all of that's next Saturday. Um, there's lots of other stuff to read about in there. Things for you to sign up for on that wonderful little tear-off tab in your bulletin. Um, by the way, we've been trying to figure out how to go green in worship and sort of eliminate a lot of paper, but yeah, there's a good, yeah. See, we're trying, we're really working to do that, but here's our problem. We can't figure out how to get the information on this tab without printing some paper. If some of you have an idea on how we can do that effectively, you know, let us know, because we've been racking our brains. So, because that's the critical piece. Um, you still need to know what's going on in some other ways, but if you can figure out how to let us do that, we'll, we'll know. But speaking of trying to go green, this was, uh, Earth Day was this week. It's, we're celebrating that. And it reminds us that uh, from the very beginning, remember God entrusted the stewardship of this planet to our care. And so to remind you of that, uh, we have a special reading for you with some, some images on the screen, and we'll let Dan and Lisa take over. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over 
Miss Helvenka is going to help me leave this morning. Well, good morning. How are all of you doing? Good. Pretty good. Pretty good. It's kind of rainy outside, I know. Kind of a bummer for a, for a Sunday, but you may have noticed in that video, did you kind of see what it was all about? What, what, was, it, what was it talking about? Jesus. Jesus? Yeah. Yeah, sort of. Sort of. Do you happen to remember the very, very first part of the Bible and the very, very first book of the Bible? Do you remember what happens there? Yeah. That's right. God makes plants and animals and birds and fish. Yeah, we call it the creation story. It's in, you can see here, this is one of our Bibles. It's the very first page of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1 and 2. You may remember there are seven days. God creates some stuff on the first day, second day, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. And then on the seventh day, he rests. But that's where we see God creates humans like you and me. And God actually tells humans, boys and girls, men and women, that we need to care for all these things that God has made, like plants and animals and grass and trees and 
that was really an important thing. So even though this is many, many years ago when God created everything, God still tells us to care for the earth, to care for our planet, to care for everything that God has made. And so our, our Caring for Creation Commission, which is one of the, the groups that some adults are on, has a really cool thing to give you this week. So I'm going to turn it over to you. How many of you in school today or this week talked about different ways that you can take care of the earth? How many of you did that at school? We're going to ask you to take one thing to do for the whole next week. Just one thing. How many people here can reach the light switch? Light switch? How many turn lights on? How many remember to turn the lights off? Okay. This is what we're going to have to do. Everybody's going to get a light bulb. And it's got two sides. One side for when you turn the light on, and one side for when you turn the light off. Okay. Everybody's going to get one of these, and I want you to keep that with you next week. Put it up someplace in your house where you, when you turn the most lights on and off, and you can use a crayon or a pencil or whatever, and mark every time you turn them on or turn them off. What do you think we want to look for? When you bring them back next Sunday, what do we hope to see? Go ahead. That you turn um, most of the lights off and on. Right, that it's the same number. Okay, so we're going to ask that you do that. That's some information on the back, too. And you can look in your bulletin for other ideas in the months to come about how we can take care of the earth. So everybody gets yes, one. Pass them out. Can you pass this up on the check? You can save electricity too. Sean's got an idea here if you're hot instead of turning on a fan. You just do it yourself. <laughs> well, let's pray together. God, we give you thanks for creating everything. We give you thanks that you asked us to take care of it. Please help these children and all of us this week to care for your creation. Please bless each one of these kids. We pray in Jesus' name and all God's children said, Amen. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ His Son. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because he's given Jesus Christ his son. And now let the weak say I am strong. 
Let the poor say I am rich because of what the Lord has done for us. And now let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich because of what the Lord has done for us. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ his son give thanks with a grateful heart give thanks to the holy one give thanks because he's given jesus christ his son and now let the weak say i am strong let the poor say I am rich because of what the Lord has done for us. And now let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich because of what the Lord has done for us give thanks give thanks I'm going to read that passage of scripture where Jesus has this moment with his disciples and this child but before I do so um Let's pray together. Lord, help us as we read your word not to presume. That we are anywhere close to having you all figured out. But as we listen to your word, come, speak to us fresh and deeply. Let us hear. Let us receive. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The passage for today is Matthew 18, 1 to 5. Um, you can follow along on page 19 in that New Testament section of your few Bibles. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and they asked, Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Of all the questions you could ask, kind of an odd question. He called a child when he put them, and he put the child among them, and he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. This is the word of the Lord. How often have you heard somebody uh, utter the expression, and maybe you have yourself, 
I just don't want to be a burden to anybody. Don't want to be a burden to my kids. So a lot of times it has to do when we're thinking about the future, especially, uh, you know, into beyond the retirement, up in, in that age group. Um, don't want to be a burden to my children. Don't want to be a burden to the church. Don't want to be a burden, etc., etc. Heard that? Jesus has a response to that attitude, that sort of phrase there. He says, um, Look, if you don't work as hard as you can and save as much as you can, investing wisely in a balanced portfolio of stocks and bonds, your future is going to be tragic and pathetic and no one will love you. Oh, that's the gospel of Thomas the Doubter. I'm sorry. It's not actually in the canon. No, he doesn't say that, does he? He doesn't say that anywhere or anything even faintly remotely like that. What he says in response to, I don't want to be a burden, I think, is, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like children, unless you humble yourself and put a childlike trust in me, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay, now Jesus is not saying, let's be clear about that, that we're to be totally irresponsible and that we're not to give any thought to the future at all. He's not saying that. But, on the other hand, it seems to me that all the anxiety that we're seeing uh, today over diminished nest eggs uh, is a clear sign of how spiritually bankrupt we were long before the mortgage crisis bubble hit. In, in a fine book that... Um, somehow Bob Gorski discovered and, and handed on to me called Reclaiming the Body, co-written by a physician and a medical ethicist who are both Christians themselves. The authors take on this not wanting to be a burden uh, remark, and uh, which they, as you might imagine, hear fairly frequently, as physicians do. I just don't want to be a burden to my children particularly or to whomever, especially around later life medical issues. And what they have to say is very, I think you'll find, provocative and powerful. And I just want to read a little bit and uh, let you in on what they're, where they're coming from. Here's what they say. Even non-Christians should understand that those who hold such a sentiment, I don't want to be a burden, are far too late. Having been carried by our mothers, raised from infancy, infancy eaten food grown by other people, lived on land that others sweated and bled over, Learn from the work of countless humans with whom we have had the unacknowledged honor of sharing the planet. All of us, sick or well, are always, already burdened. And then they, after that statement, then they go like, well, let's think about what might be the motivation behind the way we use that phrase. So they go on to say, what we suspect people mean by not wanting to be a burden is that they wish not to lose their illusions of autonomy. I'm in control. It's difficult to know if our lust for autonomy and our phobia for being a burden are symptoms of or the root causes of the present age's lack of trust. Are we terrified of losing control because there's no one left to trust? Or do we lack trust because we assume everyone, even our children, will exercise their control at our expense. Either way, they say, the whole 
at the center of our lives is at once community-shaped and God-shaped, where we're refugees in search of a place, a respite from the desperate sense that we are abandoned, alone in the universe without companionship. And then they say this final sort of rocking uh, phrase or two. Christians shaped by baptism and the practice of hospitality learn to receive everything as a gift and simply don't have time for nonsense like not wanting to be a burden. For the people Jesus gathers to love and serve the Lord and each other, there's too much to be done. Pretty powerful stuff, eh? For those of us who call ourselves Christians, this whole thing about not wanting to be a burden is really ludicrous in light of the fact of what Jesus has already done on our behalf, right? Died on a cross, remember that? So who are we to say, I don't want to be a burden? Jesus already died for you. I mean, that's a bit of a burden right there. That after the cross, that we should presume to be able to live a life that doesn't burden others is a way of, of actually dishonoring, I think, what Christ has already done on our behalf. It's true that as Christians, we make a huge point, and we certainly do in this church of well, as well, about serving others. That's important. It's, it's hugely important. We're called to be servants. But we also, and sometimes I think we get so into the servant thing that we forget that the other side of that is, is that we have to be willing to be served ourselves. Otherwise, we don't show any evidence of that childlike trust that Jesus is talking about that we're called to have. And I think it's worth adding that by not allowing ourselves to be served, we deny others the opportunity to be servants. That just kind of goes along with it. Look at Jesus' own example. I mean, here was a master server, big time, hour after hour, preaching, teaching, healing. He gives a lot, but he's also able to receive. Remember those stories? There's lots of them, really. Uh, he's sitting at the well in Samaria. There's a woman there. He can get his own water. He says, would you give me a drink? He regularly accepts dinner invitations from friends, but, but strangers as well. He never says, eh, I don't want to bother you. I don't want to put you out. I don't want to be a burden. He allows a woman, remember, to take some extraordinarily expensive perfume and anoint his body rather than saying, oh, my goodness, don't do that. And then he allows another woman to wipe his dirty feet with her hair and her tears. How many of you would be willing to do that? I mean, to receive that? To let somebody wash your feet with their hair and their tears? That takes a lot to be able to do. Jesus served, but he allowed others to serve him. I know uh, this image of not wanting to be a burden is so ingrained into who we are, especially as Americans, you know, where we pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, you know, we're independent, we're all of those things. That's our pioneer spirit, that's who we are, that's how we're taught to be. It's hard to let go of, very hard to let go of. So this morning, I, I just want to give you a challenge. I would like you to just set that aside for a moment, that whole burden thing, and to think about this in a whole different way, a whole different image. And um, rather than thinking of yourself as being a burden to others, I encourage you to think of yourself 
all of us together as mountain climbers. You ready for that? I, I owe this all to being on, on a confirmation retreat where we were climbing walls and it just came to me. We're all mountain climbers. Uh, and as mountain climbers, there's a, there's a way that mountain climbers work. Some of you guys may be rock climbers, but in mountain climbing, each of us takes our turn uh, on belay, belaying others of the team. Now, what is belay? Belay is a, is a nautical term, really, that made its way into mountain climbing. It means to hold fast. Normally, it's a, you, you have a rope, and you put it around a cleat, and that, keeps, that holds something on the ship fast or holds the ship fast to the dock. But, but in, in uh, mountain climbing, here's how it works. The climber is in a harness. You see him climbing and grimacing up the rock, the little uh, climbing wall there. And then the rope from this harness goes up through um, a fixed point above the climber or right by the climber. If they're climbing on real rock, it's through a piton, something like that. And then it comes back down again to the person below who's holding fast. The person that's doing the holding, holding the rope, is on the leg holding that person fast so that if the climber should slip uh, and fall, um, they can be caught by the person on belay so they don't crash down and, and die or injure themselves. Now, uh, here's, here's some examples. Here's a guy on the bottom. He's on belay, and, and the, the girl is climbing above. Now, again, in the first picture in this one, this doesn't look like a big deal, right? But you can begin to see as you actually start to look at an actual mountain the importance of the person on belay gets kind of critical. We'll just kind of go through those a little bit as we go. See, it's starting to, it gets a little more serious. The person that's on belay below um, has uh, some, quite a bit of responsibility there. Yeah. You have to trust that person below you on belay if you're climbing. They have your life literally, in their hands. Jesus said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like children, like little mountain climbing children, unless you humble yourself and put a childlike trust in me, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Indeed, as Christians, we know that the whole world, I would say, is on belay by God. Psalm 55 says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Matthew 11:28. 28, come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Next time you catch yourself saying or thinking, um, I don't want to be a burden, just stop yourself if you can and allow yourself to receive the gift that's being offered to you, the kindness. It, it'll be good for you. It'll be good and humbling for your soul and also will give you the opportunity or, or give others the opportunity to be servants themselves. See, it's important to remember that we climb in community. All real mountain climbing is almost always done in community. There's solo climbs, but, but they're rare. You have to turn, um, you have to take your turn on belay and then you take your turn climbing. And, and if there's a lot of you, you, you work your way through that process. You have to stop and allow yourself to receive. You have to let someone hold the rope for you. It's important to know that it is not a burden. In mountain climbing, it's just what you do. That's how you climb the mountain. 
If you try and do it all alone, if you make a habit out of climbing mountains all alone, sooner or later, you're going to fall off a mountain all alone. And it'll be the last mountain that you climb. A couple came to see me uh, a while back after their house had burned, and it had just been, um, you know, a couple days, and they were still really emotional, uh, emotionally uh, distraught over what had happened. And, um, you know, fortunately, you know, no, there hadn't been any loss of human life, but they did lose a, a really beloved pet in the fire, and their house was really damaged as well. But, but there was something else about that entire event that, that was more surprising to them and shocked them more than anything to do with the actual fire itself. Do you have any idea what that might be? They're standing there watching their house burning. Fire department's there, hosing it down and all of that stuff. And, and, and the community begins to come to them. Their neighbors begin to come to them. They're bringing food to them. They're putting like $100 bills in their, in their hands. They're uh, one little kid comes up, an eight-year-old, who's drawn a picture in a little note, and he says, uh, he says, uh, I'm so sorry that you lost your doggy. They couldn't deal with that. Here was a couple that had moved into the neighborhood. They'd been there for a few years, but um, in the summers, when usually the neighborhood would be outside, they went to the lake, to their lake house. So they weren't engaged in their community at all. They didn't even know their neighbors, really. And they couldn't deal with the community. They never experienced neighbors. They never experienced community that came and gave them stuff, and they didn't know how to receive it. And they were just like, oh, what do we do? We don't know how to receive. We don't know how to let people serve us. And that alone was beginning to change the whole way that they looked about their world. I urge you this week to humble yourself and become as a child, trusting in your God who has the whole world on belay, and trust in others. When somebody wants to do you a kindness, let them. Don't say, oh, 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 I couldn't let you do that. Just let them do it. For the good of your soul and theirs. So that we can all get to the top of God's mountain together. I thought I would just close with this little thing. You know, before every mountain climb between climbers, a little conversation takes place. It's a ritualized conversation uh, between the person on belay and the person that's going to be climbing. When the climber is ready to start climbing, he or she says, on belay. And then the person on belay checks to make sure that the ropes aren't tangled up, that everything looks good, and then responds, belay on. And then the climber says, climbing. And then the person on belay says, climb on. That's the conversation. So it seems to me that to help us remember this week but that would be a good conversation for us to sort of end with right here. So I'm going to let you guys are going to be the climbers. And you're going to be the on belay person right here. And, and we're just going to do that. We're going to test that out. Okay, you ready? On belay. Belay on. 
climbing, climb on. Remember, your God has you on belay. Amen. earlier and uh, give you a little preview of it and it's pointed directly at the message today humble thyself humble thyself in the sight of the Lord humble thyself in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up higher and higher and he shall lift you up humble thyself in the sight of the Lord humble thyself in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up higher and higher and he shall lift Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. And he shall lift you up higher and higher, and he shall lift you up. He shall lift you up. And he shall lift you up. Welcome there. It's great to have all of those folks back, and we're thankful for all of the of the hours of work that they put in. Uh, also, uh, some of you uh, know Matt Resch, a child of the congregation. He was uh, here in the first service and in, um, in the lobby there right before this service. He and uh, wife uh, Jennifer and daughter Emma. Uh, Matt's here because tomorrow he meets with the August Chicago Presbyterian's Care and Preparation for Ministry Committee. And they will determine if he is deemed ready to be uh, seeking a call and to be ordained in the Presbyterian Church. It's been a long four or five year process and uh, uh, tomorrow he'll have to uh, defend a statement of faith, he'll have to preach before the committee and um, so it'll be a little frightening. Now the good news is is that uh, Gary Schaefer from our church and Beth, uh, Freeze Dammers, are on that committee so they can, they can kind of fight for him so that'll be good. Um, also Barb Gorski had us uh, pray some months ago for a pre prematurely born uh, young uh, one named Joshua, and she reports that Joshua is going home from the hospital finally, and uh, he wasn't even expected to live by the doctors, so uh, that is a really wonderful thing indeed. Uh, some concerns that I would share with you, um, Gordon Crombie, we've been praying for him, he's facing the removal of a kidney, they've put that on hold for a moment, he's going to undergo a biopsy this week, they need to find out what exactly is going on there, and then... Um, Prayers for Casey Graham, who was hospitalized this past week at uh, Alexian Brothers Mental Health. She's battling an eating disorder. Uh, keep her in, her in your prayers. It's been pretty tough on the family, though, so if you would not uh, call them, at the moment anyway, let them get through this a bit, that would be good. 
Also, uh, remember Barb Siligmuller, she was hospitalized uh, a week ago. She's suffering from Meniere's disease, and she's still not quite up to par. She has dizziness and some other uh, symptoms, and we hopefully that that will uh, ease soon. Um, prayers for the family of uh, Jackie Garza, who died suddenly this week. Uh, prayers for Matthew, who's undergoing chemotherapy. Uh, for Gary, suffering with Guillain-Barr syndrome. Uh, and Dan Miller asked uh, for prayers for his cousin Mary, who's just gone into to hospice care. Are there other joys or, or concerns that you would like to, to lift up before the congregation? Yeah, Rick. I don't know if you could hear, Rick, prayers for the family of Ken Lindsay, who also died suddenly last week. Yeah, Gordon. One of the perks of being the sound guy is I get a microphone. <laughs> um, last Wednesday, the boss uh, called a department meeting, laid off about half of the company, myself included. And uh, I don't want to be a burden on you all, but I think... <laughs> I think I could reach a compromise with Mike and just ask for uh, prayers that I decide which way I'm going to do next. Going to go next. I, that shouldn't be too much. No, we welcome that a chance to to pray for Gordon. And there are several folks in, in our congregation actually that are out of work at the moment. I'm sure you know um, many yourselves um, that are uh, in that place or are feeling that uh, it's imminent. Uh, we want to lift all of them up in our prayers. Any others? Let's pray together. Loving God, we are still celebrating and giving thanks in the glow of Easter. Still reminded of the empty tomb, the hope of the resurrection. So indeed, today we pray for those who are without work, for those who are without homes, for those who are without health, for those who are without confidence and for those who believe that there is no hope. We call upon you, the God of hope, to comfort, to hold close, to heal and to make whole, to bring your great shalom, your loving peace into the lives of so many who are without peace. We pray for Gordon and Casey and Barb and the Garza and Lindsay families, for Matthew and for Gary and for Mary, all of them who are struggling and physically or in despair and sadness and in loss. Comfort and give them hope. We pray for those in thanksgiving who've worked hard on behalf of others for those returning from Iowa. We thank you for their safe return, for the work they've done, 
We thank you for those who have served our country in the military and the Peace Corps, continue to do so, some who will carry wounds with them for the rest of their lives here on earth, for some who have sacrificed all. We pray that the conflicts around the world that we are so aware of, particularly in Iraq and Afghanistan, might be resolved soon. That a way might be found to end this bloodshed and America's involvement, particularly without more bloodshed on top of it. We pray for Matt as he faces the committee tomorrow. And we pray for him as he seeks a call. And as you lead him into areas of ministry and service in the, in the years ahead. Loving God, we pray for ourselves. You know how hard it is for us to stop serving that somebody else can serve us. To let go of all of our worries and trust in you that you're holding fast to the rope that holds us as we climb this mountain of faith. Loving God, you hold us in your hands. You've blessed us in so many ways, with families and friends and community of the church who carry us and lift us up in ways that we don't often even know or understand or appreciate. We give you thanks for all of them. And we pray together the prayer that your son taught us, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Amen. Let's stand and sing our last song together today. Two, three, four. And you take our sins away, oh God. You give, and you gave your life away for us. You came down, you saved us through the cross. 
Our hearts are changed because of your great love. You lived, you died, you said in three days you would rise. You did, you're alive. You rule, you reign, you said you're coming back again. I know that you will, and all the earth will sing your praises. And all the earth will sing your praises. You took and you take our sins away, oh God. You give, and you gave your life away for us. You came down, you saved us through the cross. Our hearts are changed because of your great love. You lived, you died, you said in three days you would rise. You you're alive. You rule, you reign. You said you're coming back again. I know that you will, and all the earth will sing your praises. And all the earth will sing your praises. All the earth will sing your praises. I'm going to switch it up this time. Because remember, sometimes you're going to be on belay and sometimes you're going to be climbing. So this time, you're on belay and you're climbing. Right? Okay. So you're on belay? Okay. Good. On belay. Climbing? Climb on. That was really pathetic. I'm not even sure that the... Uh, that's what we did last time? Well, that's what I tried to suggest. We're going to do it the other way. Here we go. That's why you were, you were ready. Okay. Remember, it's important that the other person actually hear you say this because they got their your life in their hands, this rope, you know. So here we go. On belay. Belay on. Climbing. Climb on. Climb on indeed. God is at the end of that rope. He has the whole world on belay. He has your life on belay. You can trust him now and always. Amen.